Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 6. Springtime rolled around, and it was time for the annual school fair at Central. I was reluctant to go, because Muhammad had been showing out and seemed more worried about talking my ears off about the Nation of Islam than taking my pants off. Like I said before, that was cool with me. It had gotten to the point where even being around him irritated the hell out of me. The Friday night before the fair, I called him up and succinctly told him all bets were off. Why don't you want me to take you? He sounded so pitiful when he realized I was on the brink of kicking his ass to the curb. You asked me months ago to go with you to the fair at your school, and now you're backing out at the last minute? I was supposed to be filling in for Brother Jabrell at the rally tomorrow afternoon, but I changed my schedule around and everything just so I can go hang out with you. The guilt trip was not even working. It became disturbingly clear to me that Muhammad had been nothing more than a big waste of time. I listened to him drone on and on and finally resorted to holding the phone away from my ear while I became pleasantly immersed in another thought. I was sitting on the living room sofa when some headlights suddenly blinded me through the curtains. I moved one of the sheer curtain panels to the side slightly and peeked outside to see if it was Mama getting off work early. I was anxious to tell her about the A I received on my calculus exam. It wasn't Mama, but I caught the taillights of Jason's Camaro just as they turned off. When he got out of the car, he looked like an Adonis, a god even. He was sporting this Negro League baseball jacket and some Levi's that were so tight, I wanted to reach out and spank that tight ass of his. It brought on a delightful set of ambiguous memories, including the glimpse I got of his butterball naked ass through a hole in the girls' locker room. Things could have been so different if I hadn't gone too far and dumped him that day. It had been almost two years, and he still gave me nothing but cynical remarks, dispassionate glares, and malevolent treatment. Zoe, are you there? Damn, why couldn't he just shut up and stop whining? I was busy daydreaming about a real man. Zoe... Oh, so now you're just going to egg me and things? That's cool. I watched Jason use his foot to nudge the car door shut because his arms were full of some Kroger bags he retrieved from the back seat. I knew I had about 30 seconds to hit the pavement or he would be inside and out of my reach. My mother had mentioned that Jason's parents were going out of town for the weekend and asked her to keep an eye on him, so I knew he was alone. It was time to make my move. Uh, Muhammad, I have to go. I shifted through the repertoire of excuses I frequently used to get off the phone with him, trying to make sure the one I was about to blurt out hadn't been abused. My mother would be home in a few, 
and I need to clean up the kitchen before she gets here. Call me next week. Peace. But Zoe, what about tomorrow? Click. Enough of all that. I jumped off the worn and tattered sofa and quickly adjusted the dolman sleeves of the white blouse I had on with some black velveteen leggings and black leather platform shoes. I made a beeline for the front door, pausing half a second to smile in the mirror and make sure none of the meatloaf from dinner was stuck in my front teeth. I was determined to make a classic statement of subtlety and poise, pretending like I had just happened to be stepping outside for some fresh air or something. Once I saw Jason's key hitting the lock and the lights go on in this foyer when he hit the switch on his wall, I quickly discarded that option. Jason, hold up a minute! I heard my voice and realized I was screaming, panicking even. So I toned it down a bit and then reiterated, hang on a second. Even from across the street, I could see his eyes crinkle at the sides. He was probably under the automatic assumption that I only wanted to say something sarcastic to him. To be honest, I had no idea what I was going to say, but I knew I needed Jason. I wanted Jason. I had to have Jason, or I might as well have slipped my wrist with a plastic knife from KFC or taken an overdose of X-Lax or something. Zoe, what do you want? He tossed the bags down the tile floor on the entryway. Why do you think I want something? I replied, moving tentatively towards him. Maybe I just wanted to say hey. He gave me a sanguine smile, and I was a bit relieved. Normally, he would snarl at me. Well, hey. I was at his doorway by then, and I immediately got lost in his eyes, wondering how the hell the little nook I used to scrape in the street grew up to be so damn fine. Anything else? He asked beginning to press on the back side of the door like he was on alert to slam it in my face if my evil twin raised her ugly head. He knew I wanted him, though. I could tell. He was just basking in the glory of knowing he had control over my conflicted heart. I hesitated and bit on my bottom lip, contemplating what to say next. He blushed and leaned against the doorframe, and it dawned on me how tall he was. I had three-inch platforms on my five-foot-six-inch frame, and he looked like the jolly green giant standing in front of me. How tall are you? He grinned and let out a slight chuckle. Is that what you came over here to ask me at this time of night? How tall I am? No, but I was just wondering. I didn't realize you were so gigantic. He rolled his eyes, but I could tell my interest in his height was flattering to him. If you must know, girl, I'm about six-five. Six five? Damn. For some reason, I had to look at his feet. I glanced down and he had on the biggest ass pair of Nikes I had ever seen. Brina and the other girls always used to talk about how a boy's feet were directly related to penis size. I never bought into that, since penis size was never a fascination for me. That is, until the day I prayed like all hell Jason would turn around in the gym shower. On my way back up to look at his face again... I made a pit stop at the crotch of his jeans. My eyes bloomed when I spotted it behind the denim fabric. Not only was it big, much bigger than it had been a couple years before when we used to grind up against each other, but he either had a coconut in his pocket or he was damn sure happy to see me. Well, look, I'm about to go cook me some hot dogs, alright? I must have made him feel uneasy because he turned on me and his grin changed to a pout. I wondered if he knew I was peeping his dangling. Okay, cool. I started to turn around when a light bulb went off in my head. You mind if I grab one of your hot dogs, Jason? Mama's working late again, and I'm starved. I rubbed my belly to drive the point home. We don't have a thing in the fridge, and I don't have a car like you, so I can't go to Kroger or grab some fast food.
I was lying my ass off, knowing good and damn well that less than an hour earlier I had munched down the mouth-watering meatloaf and mashed potatoes with gravy Mama had fixed before she left for work. Jason glared at me, like he was registering the thought of actually letting me in the house when his parents weren't home. Alright, come on in, he said, stepping aside. He must have wondered if I would go psycho on his ass and stab him with a butcher knife, because he emphatically added, but as soon as we eat, you need to bounce, because I have a lot to do before the fair tomorrow. What you gotta do for the fair? I quizzed, attempting to throw a little slang in there so I appeared cool. He picked up the bags and headed to the kitchen. I closed the front door and followed him. The basketball team is sponsoring some of the activities this year, and since I'm the captain, I have to help out. Oh yeah? What type of activities? He laid the bags on the counter, and I became enthralled with the tightness of his ass again. It looked ten times better up close than it did from the hole in the locker room. So when they broke up, they were 13, and she was like two years later, which means they're 15, 16? Okay. He didn't notice me staring because he was busy putting some eggs, bacon, and milk in the fridge. We got this kissing booth going on for one thing. I'm not really trying to do it, but you know how it is. Kissing booth? Word? Yeah, you didn't know? Nope. Jason gave me a puzzled look. Hmm, I'm surprised because Chandler and some of the other cheerleaders are doing it along with us. The mere mention of Chandler's name made me cringe. Damn, why can't that anorexic beanpole bitch move the hell on? I'd even resort to becoming a cheerleader to get next to Jason, but it just made him laugh. The other girls on the team were all buddy-buddy with Chandler and left me out of the loop except for the required activities. No one said a thing to me. Then again, I'm not surprised considering the fact Chandler hates my guts. Jason put some tap water in an aluminum saucepan and then turned on a gas burner. Chandler doesn't hate you. You're tripping. What makes you think that? He acted like it was some sort of revelation. Jason knew good and damn well Chandler couldn't stand my ass. I don't even know why he was trying to fake the funk. Whatever, Jason, I hissed. So are you and her still hanging out? He cut open the pack of Oscar Mayer hot dogs, dropped them in the boiling water, and then sat down across from me at the white drop-leaf table with the floral placemats adorning it. Why you want to know? In fact, what's up with all these questions tonight? You writing a book or something? I looked at him contritely. No, I ain't writing no damn book. I was just wondering because... Because what? He waylaid the rest of my sentence, and it was just as well. I was about to do something dumb and ask him to go with me like he did years ago. I could hear a smart aleck reply in my head. Go with you where? Never mind. I decided to change the subject. So how long are your parents going to be out of town, and where'd they go anyway? See, another freaking question. That fool laughed in my face, and it finally pissed me off. My evil twin came out. Geesh, if I can't even ask a damn question, I may as well take my ass back on across the street. I jumped up from the kitchen table and started stomping towards the front door on my platforms. Jason was right on my tail. Hold up, Zoe. I'm sorry. My parents were in North Carolina visiting some relatives, alright? Just chill, boo. Damn. He called my ass boo. A word of affection. Everyone knew boo was more than just a word Casper the Friendly Ghost whispered to unsuspecting children. Maybe not before the 80s, but Boo was a certified synonym for baby, sweetie, and snookums by the time the word left Jason's sexy-ass lips. I was a Boo. Aw, oh, damn. Yes, Jason? 
I spun around and batted my eyelashes at him, trying to keep myself from blushing, but I realized it was a lost cause. What about your hot dog? What you gonna eat for dinner? I was appalled. How dare he build up my emotions and then start talking about some damn hot dogs, even if they weren't cheap-ass chicken franks. I sucked my teeth. I'll just eat some Vienna sausages and saltines instead. I swung the door open and headed out, muttering expletives under my breath. Wait, why did you ask me about me and Chandler for real, though? I didn't even look back at him. I gotta go. I need to go condition my hair and get ready for the fair. So you're going then? Yeah, I'm going. I didn't want to tell him that Miss Rankin, the principal, had asked Brina and me to be clowns. Chandler and her other hussy friends were going to kiss boys all day long, and I had to be a freaking clown. Jason was still saying something to me when I slammed the door closed, but I couldn't have cared less. I was crushed, humiliated, fired up even. I kicked off my shoes, ran into the living room, and buried my head in a toss pillow to catch my tears. Mama shook me awake a couple hours later. What's wrong, baby? Why are you lying on a sofa in the dark? I looked up at my mother and wanted to spill it all, but she had enough problems, including but not limited to working two jobs to support me. I'm okay, Mama. I was just dog tired when I got home from school today. You sure, sweetie? She rubbed my back and I sought comfort in her touch. I got up, kissed her gently on the cheek, and took a whiff of the rose water she always dabbed behind her ears. She always smells so feminine, even after a long day. I'm going to bed now. Good night. I was halfway up the stairs when she drilled me. What time's Muhammad picking you up for the fair tomorrow? I want to make sure you get up on time. I hesitated, thinking of a logical excuse why he wasn't coming. Then I remember him mentioning the rally. Um, he's not coming. He has to do a Muslim rally tomorrow, so I'm going with Brina. My mother sounded slightly disappointed. Oh, okay. Good night, Zoe. I went in my room, left a message on Brina's answering machine telling her to come and get me the next day, fell on my canopy bed, and started wailing all over again until I was fast asleep. I woke up the next morning about 8, still devastated and confused about my feelings towards Jason and his feelings towards me. When I got down to the kitchen, Mama was cooking some ham and cheese omelets. The aroma was kicking, and I was either starved or ready to see if eating till I exploded would make me forget about my troubled, non-existent love life. You feel better this morning, sweetie? Mama ran her fingers through my shoulder-length hair while I threw down on the omelet like Wilbur from Charlotte's Web slopping up some grub. I wiped my mouth with a napkin and gulped down an ounce of orange juice along with some eggs so food remnant didn't come flying out of my mouth when I answered her. I'm fine, Mama. I was just tired last night because it was a long week at school. She sat down beside me and blew lightly into her coffee mug. The steam amusingly fogged up her glasses, and I remember how it used to make me fall out laughing every time that happened in my younger years. Yes, I know Miss Rankin had you and Brina working hard on the fair. She took a sip of her Maxwell house and grinned when her legal drugs started to kick in. Did you girls get all the posters made? Yeah, they look great too. I slapped my forehead looking dumbfounded. I meant to tell you last night. Guess what? What, sweetie? I got an A on my calculus exam. No, scratch that. Your baby girl got an A+. I gleamed while she took it all in. She reached over and rubbed my shoulder. That's fantastic, Zoe. Having Jason tutor you has really paid off. 
I frowned. It figured she would give him all the glory. I asked Jason to tutor me in calculus one damn time, and my mother made it sound like he single-handedly resurrected my brain cells. It was all just a ploy to get him to pay attention to me in the first place. His math skills weren't all that. I did it all by myself. Jason didn't take the test for me. She caught my drift. I know, baby. I didn't mean for it to come out that way. I just... I jumped up and headed back upstairs. I have to go get ready. Brina's picking me up in a few. I heard Mama calling after me. I didn't mean anything, Zoe. I, I really didn't. Brina picked me up in her hoopty 20 minutes later, and I was not even halfway dressed. I took a quick shower, then lingered over every feature of my body in the foggy mirror on the back of the bathroom door. I had to admit that I was lacking a bit in the tit department, but my ass was good. All good. Most boys at school seemed to be into girls with nice asses, but Jason obviously wasn't, because Mama could have fried those ham and cheese omelets on Chandler's flat ass. I wasn't 100% sure they were still dating, because it slick behind had avoided my question the night before. I was hell-bent on finding out that day, though, one way or the other. By the time the sun went down that night, I was either going to be as happy as a fag in Dickland, or as depressed as a whore in church. Yeah, keep in mind, this book came out in like the 90s, and I'm hoping that it doesn't. But at the same time, that line was so poor that I felt like it had to be read. Like, I, I don't know. It's weird. I never got around to conditioning my hair the night before, and it was frizzed up like I was going to audition for the role of Kizzy Kunte in the sequel to Roots. Luckily, once I got to school, I could put on the dreaded clown suit and cover my naps with a multicolored wig. Brina was laying on the horn thick, so I threw on some white walking shorts. Okay, they were more like Daisy Dukes. I flung all my t-shirts out of my top dresser drawer until I came across a red one that had gag imprinted on the front and the phrase get a grip in small lettering at the bottom. I had a predilection for bragging on my tits even though I didn't have much of anything. I slipped my dogs into some red patent leather slides and flip-flopped my way down the steps. Girl, hurry your slow ass up. Brina was fussing as soon as I stepped out of the door into the unrelenting sunlight. It was a beautiful day for a school fair. Miss Rankin did everything except Indian tribal dancing and casting a voodoo spell to make sure it didn't rain. And it paid off. Like I said, the 90s were a wild-ass time for writing. There wasn't a storm cloud in sight. I'm coming, damn. You're always rushing some damn body. I got into the hoopty and gave Brina a brief once over. No matter how hoochie I tried to be, she out hoochied me every single time. She had on a skin can't get no tighter unless you embed the clothes in your ass tight black sundress and some black leather pumps. The fuck? Plus, her hair looked good as all hell. I was immediately jealous. I knew I should have slapped some conditioner in my nappy hair and thrown a plastic cap on before I went to bed. I was like one of those ugly ass troll dolls sitting next to Cinder fucking Rella rolling with her. What on earth do you have on, girl? We going to a fair, not clubbing. Brina rolled her eyes and flipped me to bird. I turned the radio up, even though there was more static in it than a woman's nylon half slipped straight out the clothes dryer and started bopping my head to Cheryl Lynn's schooling nookas about how they got to be real. Dang, that's my song, I proclaimed. Every cool song that comes on is your dang song, Brenda chuckled. She was right, too, because on any given day, I had at least 20 favorite songs, but rarely knew the words to them. Ironically, the only songs I could ever manage to memorize were the ones I hated. Ain't that a bitch? 
Brina started bopping her head in unison with my nap while she did one last lipstick check on her rearview mirror before pulling off. We rode all the way to school with the bass controller on the system turned as far to the right as humanly possible without one of us breaking a nail. It made the car shake from side to side at every stoplight while we gyrated our hips to the beat. I spotted Jason's Camaro the second we pulled up in the parking lot. I wondered if he was somewhere arm in arm with Chandler and if he had picked her up that morning. His car was already gone when I got up. I checked. Brenda threw something on my face, blocking my vision. I yanked it off and realized it was a navy blue bathing suit. I held it up, looking at her quizzically. What's this for? Oops. I meant to tell you. Miss Rankin caught me on the way out of the class yesterday and asked if you and I could sit in the dunking booth today. So I brought an extra suit for you from home. I threw my hands on my hips and clucked my tongue. Dunking booth? What the hell happened to being clowns? Brina cut off the ignition and opened up her door. I followed her out of the car. She still wants to be clowns too, but we could take turns doing both. She was going to do the dunking booth herself, but she has a cold. I raised my hands to my hair. I can't do the dunking booth. My hair is messed the hell up, and I was counting on wearing that stupid clown wig to hide my naps. We started walking toward the football field where the fair was being held. Zoe, your hair's not looking bad at all. In fact, it looks real cute. I crossed my arms and paused briefly, tapped my right foot on the gravel parking lot to inhale her bullshit. Yeah, right. You know my hair is too through. You just think that, but it's straight. You know how it is. She stopped and turned around to face me. Whenever your hair is filthy, dirty, thicker than a ton of bricks and pinned up, that's when peeps come out the woodworks with compliments. I had to give it to her, because she did have a point. That always seemed to happen. It's when you spend eight damn hours at a beauty shop under a hot-ass dryer listening to old-ass women complaining to each other about men, kids, and other women that you almost have to beat a hair compliment out of some damn body. I laughed because she was right on the money. Alright, whatever, but I want to do the dunking booth first. I have something I need to do a little later. Brenda's eyes bulged. Something like what? I looked down at the gravel kicking a few pebbles around and blushing. Just something. Does this something have to do with a name that begins with J? I giggled. By the way, what happened to Muhammad? I thought he was coming. I was surprised when I got your message about coming to get you this morning. I grabbed her by the arm and started pulling her towards the field. I was suddenly in a hurry to get the whole sordid business over with, one way or the other. I had no clue how I was going to approach the situation, but it had to be done. Come on, Brina. I'll explain it all to you later. Ten seconds after I sat down on the two-by-four doubling as a bench in the dunking booth, I was regretting letting Brina talk me into the shit. First came the comment from this high yellow snaggletooth nooker with the lopsided high-top fade and freckles. Damn, youngin', look at her hair! His little sidekicks, none of them out of the eighth grade, pointed and laughed at me. I just waved them off, hoping they would go try their luck at a cap-toss game or something else in one of the other booths. No such luck. Five minutes later, I was one laughing at they asses. They couldn't hit the metal bullseye on the dunking booth that their lives depended on it. They all took turns, wasted some of the ten bucks apiece their mamas probably gave them to get rid of them for the day. Damn, youngin, you didn't even come close to her. Snaggletooth was guffawing and hitting his boy on the back after the sorry excuse for a pygmy missed the target by a good two feet and the baseball ended up in a trash can. Shit, it's not like you did any better, he retorted, trying to swallow his pride. I started getting in on it. 
Personally, I think all you need to go home and lift some weights because you all are like skinny midgets from up here where I'm sitting. They didn't know how to react when a girl came at them like that. They looked at each other dumbfounded and finally decided to go waste some money on something else. Come on, youngin. This shit's boring. An hour later, I was kind of hoping to get dunked, but to no avail. At least 50 peeps had tried, and only 3 or 4 of them even hit the edges of the target, much less the bullseye. It was hot as hell out there. Added in the sun beaming on me through the glass around the top of the booth, and it was 10 times worse. I felt like I was sitting in a sauna. Thoughts of an old movie where a boy used a magnifying glass and sunlight to set a cricket on fire flitted through my head. I didn't know they put a cover on top because that would be stupid because of the sun hitting the glass overhead. Um, I just thought they put you into a cage type thing, like where there were bars on the front almost, so then the ball couldn't come through and hit you in the face, but you really stepped in through the back, and that was it. I don't know. The 90s were a different time, I guess. Just when I was convinced that my dry, nappy hair was going to catch on fire any second like a pile of bushweed and leave me looking like the victim of a witch hunt in Salem, her sentences are just, why? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe. But I strongly doubt it. Her sentences are just extra for no reason. Just when I was convinced my dry, nappy hair was going to catch on fire any second like a pile of bushweed and had me looking like the victim of a witch hunt in Salem, Jason Chandler and the rest of their clique walked up to the booth. She had her arms around his waist. How dare she? Chandler taunted me. Look who it is. It figures they'll put her in there instead of Miss Rankin. Half the school would love to dunk her. Jason looked from Chandler to me. I got sarcastic with him. She doesn't hate me, huh, Jason? Chandler, cut that out, he demanded, systematically removing her arms from around his waist. She got dramatic. What's wrong with you? After what she did to you, you taking her side over mine? I don't freaking believe this shit. What what side? What side? You said something mean about her. What side is there? You said something mean about her and Jason seems to be a decent guy, so you got checked. There's no side in this. But, you know, whatever. Jason looked guilt-stricken. After all, he probably did need to save some face at that point, with all his boys looking on and all. No, not at all, he proclaimed. In fact, check me out while I dunk her ass real quick. They all laughed and Chandler smirked, looking at me like she had just hit the lottery. Jason paid for his three baseballs and threw the first one before I even had a chance to brace myself. It hit the bottom of the target, but I didn't fall. Damn, I just knew that was my ass as big and strong as he was, but he missed. Ah, Jason, I taunted him. I forgot you were blind in one eye and can't see jack shit out of the other one. His boy started howling. Damn, man, she told you. Jason's eyes narrowed with malice, a look I knew all too well, and he threw the second one. It missed by a mile. I gave an exaggerated yawn. Whew, wow, I'm so impressed. Now I know I did the right thing when I dropped you like the plague. Sorry, ass. Chandler yelled out, Bitch! Takes one to know one, trick ass. I replied with a grin. Hold up. All y'all step back. I got this. Jason stated avidly. I was positive he'll miss by a mile yet again. Next thing I knew, my ass hit the cold water. I could hear them all falling out laughing before I even came up for air. Jason had his fists up in the air like he had just put Ali down for the 10 count. His boys gave him high fives and slapped him on the back, while Chandler gave him a big, fat hug. Forget you, Jason! 
all ashamed, upset, and hopelessly in love with the fool, but scared to admit it. Why are you mad at him for hitting the target on a dunk booth that you're in? Also, why is the water cold when the sun apparently has been coming through the top of the glass so hard that you thought you were going to burn to a crisp? Shouldn't the water be warm at that juncture? I don't know. Forget you too, he bellowed while his posse moved away. Snaggletooth and his buddies came walking past the booth while I was struggling to get back on the bench. Their hands were filled with everything from cotton candy to stuffed animals or corn dogs. <laughs> he got your ass good, youngin. I just ignored it and let them enjoy their laugh. I got back up on the bench, hunched my shoulders, covered my eyes with the palms of my hands, and listened to the annoying-ass carnival music. A couple of hours later, Brenda traded a place with me. I never thought I'd be so elated to put on a clown suit. Anything but that damn Duncan booth. After Jason dumped me, a chain reaction ensued, and I hit the cold water at least 20 more times before I lost count. Miss Rankin, who didn't have the sniffles or any other vague symptom of a cold, gave me a quick lesson on making poodles and other cute characters out of oblong latex balloons and sent me on my way. I had a ball walking around and entertaining the little kids, who were strongly representing that day. I had on a red, white, blue, and yellow suit with a red, white, blue, and purple wig, white powder makeup with red lipstick surrounding my lips, and huge red clown shoes. I was doing just fine until I spotted the kissing booth. To say I was severely rattled to see all the hoochies lined up to kiss Jason would be the understatement of the year. There were just as many nookies in line to kiss Chandler's skank ass for some unknown reason. Apparently, the cheerleaders and the players were taking turns at the booth. Jason and Chandler were up at bat. I was immediately jealous, even though I could see from my vantage point some 30 yards away that he was only giving up quick pecks. Some of the shy, problematic as an uglimatic girls looked like they were about to faint when his fine ass kissed him on the cheek. My heart dropped. I contemplated going inside the school to call Muhammad from the payphone and telling him to come get me, but I knew getting with him on the rebound wouldn't suffice. It didn't work the first time, and it wouldn't work the second. Something had to be done. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I bought a ticket for the kissing booth and got in line behind all the other girls waiting to kiss Jason. What the hell? It made as much sense as anything else I've been doing lately. When my turn finally came, Chandler recognized me from under the wig and makeup and grabbed for her man. Come on, Jason. It's Lisa and Dion's turn now. Jason's attention quickened when he realized it was me. Then he grinned from ear to ear. You want me to kiss you? Chandler tried to pull him away by the arm, but he brushed her off, anxiously awaiting my reply. Jason, let's go. Now. He glared at her. Chandler, let's get something straight. You don't own me, all right? He gazed back at me. I asked Zoe a question, and I like an answer. I cracked a mischievous smile and held my ticket up. I bought a ticket, didn't I? Jason, you better not kiss that hoe. Chandler was near hysterics, and all her backup hussies were ready to pounce at a second's notice. Back off, he replied sourly. He looked deep into my eyes and bit his lower lip to suppress yet another smile. So kiss me then. They had a card table separating the kissers and the kissees, probably Miss Rankin's idea to deter any fill-ups if anyone got carried away. I couldn't reach him without him leaning over it, and since he wasn't budging, I climbed up on top of it on my knees and grabbed him by the collar of his jersey. 
He gave me a peck. A freaking peck on the forehead like my grandmother used to give me. I had my eyes closed in anticipation of a deep, passionate kiss and opened them full of disappointment. He grinned. All right, there's your kiss. Now beat it. I let go of his collar and they all guffawed at me. I was about to get down off the table and soak away, but something came over me. I grabbed his collar again, pulled his face to mine and slipped him the tongue. He refused it. Kiss me, Jason, I pleaded with my eyes, and then I saw it. A flicker in his eyes that told me everything I needed to know to let the rest of the words escape from my lips. I'm so sorry for the way I treated you. I I want you back. I want us back, and I promise things will be different from now on. Chandler panicked and tried to pry my hands off him, but he knocked her hands away. Jason, what is this shit? After the way she treated you, you just gonna take her back like that? Chandler must have been psychic, because I was still waiting for a final decision on the matter. Jason's eyes and voice softened. What makes you think things could be different? I took the plunge. Right there in front of the whole world. I took a quick survey and noticed all eyes were on me. Even Miss Rankin was standing over against one of the other booths, smiling at me and raising her eyebrows in encouragement. I took a short, restorative breath and blurted it out. Because I love you, Jason. I always have. I want to marry you and make a son named Peter and look at our star every night while I lie in your arms. I couldn't gauge the expression on his face, but I had to get it all out. I've always loved you, even when we acted like we hated each other. I'm sorry for all the things I've done, but nobody's perfect. I don't know what else to say. I just... He put his finger on my lips and whispered, Shh. It's okay, boo. I never expected you to be perfect. I never expected you to be anything but you. Because it's you, the real Zoe, that I'm so in love with. He grabbed the back of my head and started kissing me. Really kissing me. And I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I could hear people applauding and cheering and Chandler cussing and stomping off. But none of that matters. Jason was showing me some affection. And I knew everything would be perfect from that moment on. Hopefully that means this is the end of the child era. Also, I hope somebody in the back was just like, Oh, we're not doing the slow clap? My bad. Chapter 7. Fuck! Our senior year in high school rolled around and still no sex. Jason and I had been boyfriend and girlfriend for over three years and it was killing me. We did a lot of making out. Kissing, caressing, and things like that. He sucked my breast and fingered me quite often, but refused to stick it in. He kept saying he wanted to wait until we were married. We planned to get married as soon as we graduated, attend the same university, and live happily ever after. All my friends were jealous, thinking I was getting my freak on all the time, but truth be known, I was jealous as hell of them. They were getting sex better than me. Brenda was still knocking boots with Cordell. Hell, even my mother was getting some. She had a new man, Aubrey, that I had mixed feelings about. I miss my daddy terribly. No one and nothing could ever replace him, but at the same time, my mother deserved to be happy, so I accepted it. Looking back, all the signs of sexual incompatibility between Jason and I were there from day one. I just couldn't see the forest for the trees. Love is indeed blind, and it makes you imagine qualities in a person that don't exist. I used to tell myself that things would change in time. I convinced myself that once we became sexually active, our sex life would be the bomb. I was more than ready to spring into action, reading any book or manual about pleasing a man sexually I could find. 
Part of me wonders whether marrying Jason was the right thing. Then I think about how much fun he and I had together, how loving he was to me when my father died, how romantic he was during the years we dated, and it makes it all seem worthwhile. Besides, my love for him is real, and was the night of our senior prom when I realized love would never die. I was all decked out in a sexy, strapless red gown with the split going all the way up the back, showing off my well-defined legs. Jason looked too sexy for words in his black tux. My mother had taken some pictures of the two of us in our living room before she rushed off to work. I have something for you. Jason handed me a long round tube, capped at both ends. Color me stupid, but I was expecting a wrist corsage or some typical gift like that. Instead, I got a tube. What's this, baby? I tried to hide my dismay. He saw right through me. Let's sit down for a second, Zoe. He took my hand, led me to the big fluffy armchair my daddy used to read to me in as a child, sat down, and then pulled me down onto his lap. Now, boo, open it and see what you got. I popped the cap off the end of the long cardboard tube, becoming more curious by the second. I reached in and pulled out several sheets of paper. It took me a moment to realize they were blueprints. Jason had taken quite an interest in architecture and planned a major in it. Blueprints, baby? He put his arm around my waist, pulled me closer into him, and lightly kissed me on my bare shoulder. Not just any blueprints. Spread them open. He helped me to open them up and added, I wanted to do something very special for you. For me? Ooh, the plot thickens. I slipped my tongue into his mouth and gave him a long, passionate kiss. Baby, I didn't realize you actually knew how to draw blueprints already. Well, they're not perfect, nor totally to scale, but yes, I know how to. But what are they plans of? I can make out the basic shapes and rooms, but understood blueprints at the time about as much as I understood Japanese. Zoe, these are the plans for our dream house. Word? My smile was hanging so wide open, I looked like I had more teeth than a set of triplets. That's, that's, that's the sentence we're coming up with. That's what we're writing here. I got to be careful because I don't want to go down for slander, but... That's the best? Around? Word, boo. One day, after we're married, I'm going to build you this house so we can raise Peter in it and live happily ever after. I threw my arms around his shoulders and hugged him with all the strength I could muster. He started pointing out certain things to me on the blueprints. These are all skylights. Practically the whole house have a glass ceiling so we can see the stars from every room. So we can see our star. That was it. The moment I knew it was forever. Three significant things happened after that. We never made it to the restaurant to meet our friends for dinner. We never made it to the prom, and we made love for the very first time. The plans we had for waiting until after marriage became nothing more than a memory. But, I mean, honestly, I just want to point out, he didn't ask her for any insight or input on this house. Meaning that, for all intents and purposes, it's his dream house, and she's going to be living in it. He included her in his dream, but including somebody in your dream, just because you include somebody in your path doesn't mean you want them to walk it with you. I don't know. It's just it, it's weird to me that you would say it's our dream house, but I had no input in creating it. And to be honest with you, I would probably start an argument or make the other person mad because the way my mind is set up, I'd be like, but I didn't. 
say anything. I, I never even told you anything about a house. All you knew was that we had a star and you created a house that you think is a dream house, which is cool, but it's not our dream house. Can you redo it with some of the stuff I actually want in there? Because after the experience she had with uh, the dunk tank where she felt like a kid under a, or an ant under a magnifying glass, I would think she wouldn't want uh, glass ceilings throughout the house. Might be kind of dope, though. I don't know. I don't know how that will work. I was so overwhelmed by the blueprints, my heart started jumping out of my chest. This was the single most romantic thing in the world to me. The mere fact Jason had spent so many hours designing the place where he wanted to build a life together made my love and admiration for him even stronger. Made my desire to do something just as special for him flourish. Made my pussy wet. Jason, I started tugging at his bow tie, trying to get it unfastened. Yes, boo. He grabbed hold of my wrist, trying to get me to stop. What are you doing? We have to meet Brina, Cordell, and the others at the restaurant in 20 minutes. I got off his lap and stood in between his legs, carefully placing the blueprints on the coffee table. Fuck them. After grabbing both his hands and pulling him up off the chair, I added, better yet, fuck me. Jason took a double take of me, trying to come up with a response. Zoe, you're tripping. He slightly pushed me aside with his chest so he could make a path to the door. Come on, baby, let's go. We're going to be mad late. I'm not going anywhere. I finally got up the nerve to stand my ground. I'm not leaving this house until you make love to me. He turned to face me, a perplexed look on his face. Zoe, why are you doing this? We agreed we'll wait until after we got married to make love. I walked over to him, reached my hands to the open jacket of his tux, and placed him around his waist while I was pressed as close against him as I could possibly get. His body was so incredibly warm, and I craved to feel him inside of me. Don't you want me, Jason? Okay, so look, I know that y'all know that what I'm going to tell you, you already know. This is fucked up. This whole thing, her whole pursuit is fucked up. And it makes you wonder if she even wants Jason or if she just is in pursuit of solving her addiction. I know she thinks he's cute and I know she likes being around him and all, but if you really love somebody, you wouldn't be pressing them like that. And if this book was written the other way, if this book was written in a way where Jason was pressuring Zoe to have sex with him every single day and pushing up on her every single day, he would probably be looked at as an, as a, a bad guy, a villain, an evil so-and-so, but because it's her, it's okay, but it's not okay. Like, this dude literally gives you everything else you want. Like, I'm sure fingering you and sucking on your breasts and all that is good for him, too. But it's it's probably mostly to satiate you without having to go all the way. And yet, here you are. I'm not leaving this house so you give me some dick. Like, okay. I didn't look at him, afraid I might see a look of rejection in his eyes. Instead, I rested my head against his chest making special care not to get lipstick on his crisp white shirt. Baby, you know I want you. Don't be ridiculous. As I began to run my fingertips up and down his spine, I lowered my voice almost a whisper for no other reason than it seemed appropriate at the moment. Then why can't we make love right here? Right now? We waited so long. It's driving me crazy. Now, I'm glad that I'm a guy. 
<laughs> I know. I know that sounds like, okay. I'm glad I'm a guy reading this because as I'm reading this to you, you're hearing this with a deep ass voice, a deep ass voice reading this. Now imagine this is, imagine this me. Hey, I, I, why can't we make love right now? I've waited so long for it. You're driving me crazy. Why can't, why, why can't, why can't I just, just the tip. Why can't I just do a little bit? I've given you everything you want. I love you. Why would you just let me get all up in your guts? Why does no mean no? Why can't I just have consent? If you really loved me, you let me all up in you. Why not? It's our prom night. I don't want to go out to dinner with our friends. I want to trap you in this house until you make love to me. Is that enough? I know, boo, but it won't be that much longer. We graduate in a few months. I felt his dick growing in his pants and started hoping he was fighting a losing battle. I still didn't look at him. I could feel his cool breath on the nape of my neck and was just glad he was holding me back. I think about being with you all the time, Jason. I can't concentrate on anything else. I hope y'all are still here and this is the way I want you to hear it. I tell you what, why don't we go to dinner and to the prom and see what happens after that? Your mother won't be home until morning, so that gives us plenty of time to be together. That's when I looked him dead in the eye. You promise we'll make love later tonight? I'm not even trying to make my voice sound anything like... Then the dreaded words escaped his lips. We'll see, boo. I hate the words we'll see. They almost always mean no. My parents spoke those words to me as a child when I asked for a new extravagant toy or dress. They said them when I asked to do something we all knew I had no business doing. Thus, when Jason said them, they cut like a knife. I started crying. What the fuck? I started crying and the tears were far from fake. My fragile and oversensitive nature, which had always been present but tripled after the death of my father, came out. I let go of Jason and used my hands to gather up the bottom of my tight dress so I could run up the stairs faster in my high heels. I ran into my bedroom, slammed the door, and flung myself on the bedspread, burying my head into a pillow to catch the tears. He was right behind me. I could hear his footsteps coming down the hall. We'll see, boo. Mm. I stomped up the stairs, went to my room, slammed the door, and sat there with my back turned to the wall. I've been really oversensitive since the death of my mother, but I never knew why. It's all manipulation. Every part of it's manip. Like, this is manipulative as white woman tears. Real talk. He said no. Jason opened the door, and I could feel my mattress sink farther as he sat down the bed beside me, seconds before he began caressing my back with his strong, warm hands. Baby, look, if it really means that much to you and you don't want to wait, then sure, we can make love. We can make love right now. I don't want to see you upset like this. It breaks my heart. I turned my head away from him, letting my lipstick smear all over my pillow when I changed positions. Jason, you just don't get it. I shouldn't have to beg you to make love to me. This is supposed to be something we both want. I'm really mad right now. Like, I'm really frustrated at this book. And I know... I just see it the other way. 
I can't see it any other way. I'm a, I'm a guy. Like, if this is on the other foot, this would all be fucked up. This would not be the burgeoning beginning of a love story. It would not. She's manipulative from the gate. Like, I don't like this. I don't like Zoe. He started running his fingertips through my hair. We do both want this. I was just trying to do right by you and wait. But make no mistake about it. I do want you. I'm not even going to fake the funk about that. Or, you know, the last time I didn't give you what you wanted, you broke up with me for two years and it was hell. And I don't want to go through that again. I just wrote blueprints for our dream house, my dream house for us. After that, we were both silent for what seemed like an eternity. He was running his hands from my hair down to the small of my back, and I was trying to control my sobs, which were eventually replaced with shallow breathing. Zoe, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. I turned over onto my back so I could look at him. He took the tip of his thumb and cleared the smudged mascara away from my eyes. All of my lipstick had been transferred to my pillowcase. You ready to go to the prom? Of course he's not. You literally just did big, fat, nasty, boo-hoo tears because he said that y'all can have sex later instead of right now. You just manipulated him so much. I shouldn't have to beg you to want to make love to me. I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to beg you to listen to my and respect my wishes. I shouldn't. He didn't answer, but got up and walked over to my bookcase instead, putting on a cassette of slow jams that he had made for me to remember him by when his parents took him out of town once for a week. He was always such a romantic, making me tapes of love songs, carving our names inside a heart on every tree in his yard and mine, calling me late at night so he could hear me breathe after falling asleep on the phone, letting me wear his varsity basketball jacket. At 6'5", he had finally stopped growing and was the captain of the basketball team, taking them all the way to the state finals two years in a row. So let me make sure I got this straight. This dude is 6'5". He's 16 years old, 17 years old now, whatever. He's a 6'5", captain of the basketball team. We haven't heard about him practicing or playing basketball anywhere else. It's just spoken of that, you know, you're the captain of the basketball team. Um... Even though he seems to spend all of his time, you know, building. So this guy seems to be like the perfect guy as far as black men go in the 90s. And um, I'm just going to ask, does he go to the NBA? Does he go to college and play college ball and then get injured? He's 6'5". He's going to go to college and play college ball, right? That's how this is going to work out. It has to work out that way. He's 6'5". He just led his team to the state finals two years in a row. There's no way he's not getting looks at schools, right? I don't know. He had the smoothest skin for a man, and he still does to this very day. My husband has always been fine, but he's never been finer than the night we first made love. That's not because of him. It's because you felt like you were behind all your friends who were making love or having sex with their boyfriend or whomever, and you felt left out. But here's the problem. Charday said it first. Sadie. Sorry. Sadie said it first. It's never as good as the first time. Not for you. I'm certain of it. College is going to be hell. You walked into this. Dance with me, Zoe. He reached out his hand for me, looking so sexy and debonair as the first song started playing. I took it and let him pull me up off the bed and into his arms. 
We danced, our bodies swaying back and forth slowly in the moonlight, invading my bedroom through the windows. Before the first song concluded, Jason traced the contours of my lips with his fingertips. And then, our kiss began. We had kissed hundreds of times before, but this one was different. It was as if there was an exchange of souls. We became one entity as our tongues intertwined in a dance of their own. Jason scooped me up into his arms, carried me over to the bed, and laid me down gently. He climbed on top of me, and I pushed his jacket down over his shoulders and off. I love you, Jason. I love you too, Zoe. He took my hand and then kissed my palm while I turned on my side so he could easily unzip my dress and slide it over the curves of my body until it was completely removed. The way he undressed me was so provocative. He was so gentle and took so much care of with me like I was a newborn baby. How was that provocative? I don't know. When he was done, I returned the favor. Once we were both nude, we sat on my bed face to face and placed a hand over each other's heart, feeling the rhythm of our heartbeats coincide. It was the most intense, arousing experience. We started kissing again as he laid on top of me, and for the first time our private parts brushed up against one another with no clothes in between them. The warmth of his body made my heart flutter and my skin tingle. Does he have a, a condom? Because he was holding out till he got married. The anticipation of making love for hours on end was so overwhelming. I had waited so long for the moment to arrive and had envisioned it thousands of times, no, make that millions of times in my mind. I was expecting us to explore every inch of one another with our hands and tongues, make love in every position known to man, and pass out from pure exhaustion. <laughs> what happened instead was a complete disaster. First, Jason got nervous because we didn't have a condom. Zoe, what about protection? It'll be okay. Just pull out real quick when you feel like you're about to come. I was tracing the curvature of his chest with my tongue, knowing my womanhood would finally be endorsed at any moment. Endorsed? Endorsed? The fuck? Uh, I don't know about this, Zoe. Maybe we should wait until we have some protection. He was trying to push me off him, but at the same time, not putting up much resistance to my advances. This is rape. I argue with me. I don't give a fuck. This is rape. He changed his mind. Consent's no longer there. Get the fuck up off him. Jason, do you want me to beg you? Is that it? I guess I should change my voice back. <clears throat> Jason, do you want me to beg you? Is that it? No. Hell no. I started rubbing my hand up and down the shaft of his thick, long dick and rubbing the pre-cum escaping from the head around with my thumb. I'll, I'll make sure I pull out in time. He stuck it in, and it hurt like all hell when my hymen broke. Two minutes and about 30 pumps later, he pulled it out, and I wanted to scream. I lay there, thinking to myself, Is this all I get? Jason told me he loved me, and I reciprocated. Then we just lay there, in dead silence, with his head on my left breast. A whole hour passed, and neither of us mentioned the prom or anything else for that matter. I was depressed, and Jason was... I have no idea what Jason was. I got up and searched my purse for a cigarette. Smoking was a habit I had picked up when my daddy died as a method for relieving stress. And this is the first time we heard about it, huh? Okay, cool. I was damn sure stressed after my first sexual experience. Stressed, disappointed, humiliated, and depressed. 
Before he drifted off to sleep, he expressed his concern. Sheesh, Zoe. I hope I didn't get you pregnant. Don't be silly, Jason. No way am I pregnant. Never that. So let's recap. She's gone through a ton of stressful things in her life since her dad passed away, including all of the incidents she's had with Jason. And this is the first time we're hearing about a cigarette. Okay. Also, I don't know about y'all, but my first experience with sex was, I didn't know what I was doing. He doesn't know what he's doing. Y'all are virgins. And yeah, I can understand the whole idea of wanting to have sex because libido and all that kind of stuff and hormones or whatever. But your friend should have told you the truth. Like, yo, it was short and it was disappointing. And I'm hoping it'll be better the next time because that was just bad. But I hope they don't continue to mark Jason as having this same problem all the way through. Like, no. I hope not. That will be crazy. Oh, and of course she's pregnant. And her getting pregnant after her first time is going to make her resent Jason because she's not able to go to school while he goes to school and does whatever he needs to do. I hope it does not take that path. I really do. I really do. Especially since you literally. Yeah. Yeah, you sexually assaulted him. Yeah, you literally did that. Congrats. Since I'm on this path, ladies, listen, guys don't need to be convinced to have sex. If they want to have sex, they're going to have sex with you. If it's if it's there, it's going to be there. If the opportunity is good for him and it's good for you, it's going to happen. If not, nothing you can do is going to change that. Except for what she just did. And a lot of other things that people do. Sexual assault is real. And it's, it's not funny. And it shouldn't be used as a book trope. And it should not be a, 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 a lane for somebody to get their way sexually in books or in real life. It's not cool. I, I didn't think I was going to have to talk about this. I'm sorry. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast. Or on the Good Pods app, you can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know about now,